I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. Before we move on to the interview, I want to take a minute to reflect. This is the 15th full episode of She Explores. I feel like six months has flown by and we've covered a lot of topics. Some of them include going solo on the trail, how the outdoors make us feel, adventuring with kids, as well as some of the barriers of fostering a more inclusive outdoors. And that's not even everything. I started out this podcast thinking about fear. I was afraid to make mistakes, to hurt your ears with poor audio, to bore you. Well, I know I've done all of those things, but I'm not afraid anymore. In fact, I'm excited. I have lots of ideas for 2017, but I need your help to create them. I put together a survey for past, current, and future listeners to help me make a better She Explorers. I'd love to get your feedback, and by taking it, you'll also be entered to win one of five Ursa Major of Vermont Traveler's Skin Care Kits. It runs through December 21st. Just head over to she-explorers.com slash podcast in order to take it. It shouldn't take very long, just a few minutes, but it'll really, really help me shape the future episodes of She Explorers. Thank you in advance. One more thing. If you've been waiting for part two of our Diversity in the Outdoors series, you'll have to wait one more week, unfortunately, due to some personal reasons that we'd prefer to keep private. Liz and I have not yet been able to wrap it up, but it's almost there, and we're really looking forward to sharing it with you. This episode is our last in the After the Pacific Crest Trail series for 2016. If you remember, we talked to Karen Wang about her PCT-ending injury and author Carrot Quinn about her memoir and wish to create a world off the trail that she wants to live in. Today, I talk with Kim Vodder. I spoke with her just five days after she crossed the border into Canada. For Kim, and for many, the PCT is bursting with life lessons. Kim was wanting to hold them tight and carry them with her to the real world. I hope everyone listening can take these lessons with them as well. I'm going to do my best to split them out for you. Forgive me if they seem obvious. Sometimes we miss what is right in front of us. I know I do. As I was flying from Seattle back to LAX, I was like, this is the longest flight. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I totally bit my words. I was you are about to walk more than this distance and you're thinking it's a long flight. That's Kim Vodder. Her energy is contagious. She made me smile pretty much the whole time I was interviewing her. I started by learning about her pre-trail life. Can you tell me a little bit about your life before you started hiking the PCT? Prior to starting the Pacific Crest Trail, I was an assistant principal at a charter school in Los Angeles, California. And I'd actually been one of the founding teachers at that school seven years prior. So I was like really embedded in the school and really embedded in the community and the culture and the families prior to moving because I'm originally from the Midwest. So prior to moving to Los Angeles, I had never really hiked. I had never backpacked. I actually told people that I was going to backpack the Pacific Crest Trail before I had even ever gone on a backpacking trip. You know, I enjoyed like hiking and everything just in Los Angeles on the weekends, but I kind of felt like I potentially wanted to leave education or take a step back. I was working a lot and I wasn't able to define my work-life boundaries. 
And I felt like I needed to do something more than take summer vacation or take spring break, which is why I ultimately like decided to do the PCT. I thought it would give me a nice transition and I could really think about like what I want to do and where if I want to go with the rest of my life. I kind of hit my 30s. And so it was almost one of those 30 life crisis where you're like, ah, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm 30 as well, so I can relate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I just had like this month straight where every morning I would wake up in the morning and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I loved my job. Absolutely loved it. And it was fulfilling, but I didn't know if it was what I wanted to fulfill my life. I didn't know if if it's what I really truly wanted to define me and what I truly wanted to say, this is what I did with my life. Just a quick aside here. I've noticed that this is a theme, both with through hikers of a certain age and many women in their 20s and 30s. It's a thread I pull on in this interview, both because I'm interested in why so many of us feel this way, and also because I ultimately want to share that it's okay to take time and to remind everyone that we don't have to do the same work for the rest of our lives. Ours is not a straight path, and there is always time to create something new, be it in work or play or somewhere in between. Okay, back to Kim's interview. Were you able to crystallize any of those doubts or or questions in your mind while hiking the PCT? You know, I stayed really connected with the families that I worked with and with my students. So I had to leave my job almost a full year before starting the trail. So I started the trail in April and I had to leave my job the June prior. And so I had 10 months off from work. And I also realized even if I don't work at a school or even if I'm not an assistant principal or a teacher, I can still be close to those kids and families and make a difference. And actually one of my students said to me, um, a former student, they said, you know, since you've left the school, I've actually seen you more. And, and that really meant a lot. And so I've, I've thought about that a lot on the trail. Like just because I don't go back to education doesn't mean that I can't remain close to everyone that meant so much to me, even like the, the coworkers that I had. There's a lot of things that I'd like to get into. I'm interested in learning beer making and working at a brewery. I'm kind of interested in working a little bit in restaurants or something along that line or working outdoor education or outdoor gear. So yeah, so I think I'm going to be switching gears and I did think about it a lot on the trail, where I want to go and what I want to do. Did you find that other people that you met on the trail were also questioning big things or were in transition at all? Yeah, I, so there were definitely some people in transition, especially people just in natural life transitions. So there were a lot of recent college graduates or even recent high school graduates. It was interesting, quite a few people that I met on the trail, they were like, oh, I'm about to go to the working world. And so like, I want to do this before I get into the working world. And that was just so interesting to me because it was like, they already knew that work and like a paycheck and making a living was going to overtake their life. And so I shared a lot with them. Hey, you know, you can always decide to like switch careers or you can always decide to like take time off, take a year or take two years off from, you know, a full-time job. So there were a lot of people in transitions. And then, yeah, I met quite a few people that were just, I hated my job and I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. A A ton of people. Yes. Hmm. And were a lot of those people in the same age range as you? 
Yeah, I would say predominantly though, people were either younger or people were older. I actually had very, very, very few friends who were in their 30s. Majority of people were fresh out of college or they were like 25, 26, 27, or then they were like in their 40s. Maybe it's because the stereotype is you hit your 30s, you get married, you have kids. Yeah, it's so interesting because I never really thought about that. I, I think that's totally why there aren't a lot of 30-year-olds because, yeah, people are getting are getting married, they're having kids, they're starting families. What was your main – so was your main reason for hiking the PCT having this time while in transition to experience the outdoors in a way that you never – had thought possible before kind of test yourself and then also kind of figure things out for for next steps yeah it was really honestly to have like alone time I'm a very social person and I always am on the go 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 I always had plans for the weekend I always had plans for if I had a week off school or what was I going to do for the summer and it was just really if I go out in the middle of the wilderness that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to just have thought time. I had never, I had never listened to a podcast prior to hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. And my friends had told me, oh, you'd love the Moth podcast, or you'd love this podcast or that podcast. And, you know, I had like a list of books that friends had recommended for me to read. And I just never got time because I never like slowed down enough to really sit back and do those quiet time things. And so that was a big thing that I was excited about on the PCT was just being able to like sit and read for two hours every night, sit in the morning and listen to a podcast and then obviously hike with podcasts. It was just great. And it was a lot of thought time for me and a lot of just discovery time. Do you think that you'll carry some of those lessons with you into whatever life brings in Los Angeles? 100%. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So I like easily would get stressed out at work. And I think I had very, very, very high expectations of others and, um, you know, people that worked around me. And I've just kind of realized now, like, just to be a little bit more laid back and more relaxed and just to go with the flow. And, And I worried a lot about if the teachers thought I was a good administrator and if the students and families were happy at the school and, and just not really to worry as much, but to be just confident in who I am and in what I'm doing and, and just to have more confidence was huge. So I, there's so many lessons. I mean, just the big idea too of minimalism. My pack was so heavy and from um, Julian, California, which I think is only like 60, 45, 60 miles in. It's, it's a little bit more than that, maybe 75, 80 miles in. I already had sent home like four pounds of things. And I mean, I've worn the same outfit now for like the past four days since I've been off the trail because it's just like, I I don't need to have a bunch of clothes. You can only wear one shirt and one pair of pants at a time. So I learned a a lot of things that I'm going to be changing in my life. That's awesome. Do you you think any of that stuff will slide? And if so, are there any ways that you can head it off from the get-go? Yeah, so I've already noticed at times things, you know, and I've only been off the trail for five days, but I've already noticed some things. Honestly, in five days that I've been off the trail, I haven't read. I really haven't read besides like looking at emails and maybe reading a periodical news article. I read the skim every morning. You know, I haven't sat down and read a book. And 
And I read so many books. I mean, I think I read like a book a week on the trail. And so, yeah, I am noticing things, but I I think like it's a little bit hard right now because I am so hot and fresh off the trail. You know, it hasn't even been a week. I'm trying to set up a routine and I want to make reading a part of my daily routine, but I just don't think I have the routine yet because I'm still like just so in awe of everything (laughs) back in the real world. Yeah, I bet the the sense of luxury changes between on the trail and off the trail. It totally does. For me, the biggest guilty pleasure has just been the fresh fruit and vegetables. I grabbed a pear earlier and the next thing you knew, I was like eating four pears. I don't need to eat four pears in one sitting, but it was just having access to a pear was just, I mean, I haven't had a pear in six months. Just having a kitchen has been, I mean, I've cooked every single meal so far, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I pretty much like last night I made a pot pie and like, I've never made a pot pie in my life. So I've just been cooking like a lot of big meals with a ton of fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm going plant-based as I transition back to real life. My goal is to kind of go more with a vegan diet. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, so what brought that on? You know, a big part of being on the trail, you're coexisting with animals and you're like side by side with them. I I also read a lot on the trail and I listened to a lot of podcasts about the health benefits and feeling better and having more energy. And so it's now it's like everything, you know, it's the ethical. It's also I just I want to see what it feels like to not have meat in my body and see if it if I do notice a difference. And I just also like, you know, that's a that's an animal. It's not a human being, but it's a being. And I just... I'm kind of steering away from needing them as my main source of protein. It's great that you're doing it along with coming off of the trail. It's two life changes at the same time. A lot of people come off the trail and they immediately are thinking like their next big adventure. So like, I'm going to go to Everest Base Camp within the next three years, or I'm going to do the Wonderland Trail, or I'm going to do the AT. And so this is kind of my big thing that I'm focusing on is I'm going to transition to a plant-based diet. Hmm. So no big adventures for you? Like, have you wanted to do another through hike after this? I want to do the Wonderland Trail, Mount Rainier had me in awe. So many of the mountains on the PCT, Mount Shasta is just absolutely gorgeous. And you look at it for miles upon miles upon miles. And then Rainier was just absolutely majestic. And so the Wonderland Trail goes around Rainier. And so I'd like to do that within the next year. And then I don't know, I I don't necessarily have a big push to immediately hike the AT or hike the CDT. I actually got my dad to come out on the PCT with me. That was his first time ever camping in a tent and backpacking. My mom flew up to Canada to surprise me when I finished. And she mentioned the other night at dinner that my dad's greatest regret was not coming out for a second time on the PCT or not staying longer the first time that he did come out. And he spent nine days with me, which was quite a long time for your first backpacking trip. And so I actually would like to plan a backpacking trip with my dad and get him back out there. And, you know, he bought all the gear and everything. So I don't have anything like massively grand. I haven't lived in an apartment for 15 months. I've had everything in storage and I've just been like traveling and staying with friends. And so honestly, I'm really excited just to have my own apartment and like to have wine and game nights at my house and just to like settle back down for right now. Yeah, there are definite benefits to having a couch and an oven. Yeah. Those are the two things I missed the most when I didn't have an apartment. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I, I loved like living on the road and, you know, I didn't like outfit my van. I wasn't like hashtag van life or anything like that. I mostly slept on friends' couches and actually only slept in my car like once or twice. But, you know, I enjoyed it at that point being on the go and just like seeing everyone. But now I, I would just like to like have my own little place and I'll I'll let people come to me. I just want to take a minute here to recap some of the lessons that Kim noted. So as I heard them, they were to worry less in your work life, have more confidence, consider your possessions and what you need in your daily life. Also, she noted that we should figure out what in our lives helps take care of us and make more time for those things. Finally, an appreciation for home and the quote-unquote small things that come with it, be it a little extra space, an oven, or a comfortable bed. You chose to hike solo and you primarily hiked solo for the PCT? Yes, I chose to hike solo. I had over 10 friends join me on the trail. So periodically I had friends that I knew with me that would come for anywhere from a night, you know, to my dad who came for nine days. And then beyond that, I hiked about the first thousand miles with a rather large like trail family. And I really enjoyed it. We hike independently for the most part during the day, but we would camp together every night and cook our meals and take our zeros together. And then for a few miles after that, that was actually when my dad came out. And then then I hiked. So I hiked with him for nine days. And then I hiked with two girls. That was really, really fun. Um, Actually, two British girls for probably about 300, 400 miles. And then I hiked the last 1,000 with a German guy that I had met on the trail. So But at the end of the trail, people have actually asked, how many nights did you actually spend alone? I think it was about six to seven nights that I actually slept completely 100% alone on the trail. It worked out really, really well starting solo, but meeting so many incredible people and having the opportunity to hike with them. And like you said, you weren't lacking alone time. If everyone has different paces and hiking and you have all that time just to decompress at night in your tent with your book. So it sounds like a nice mix. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and, you know, you had the time to hike from when we set out in the morning until lunch. I always had a rule that I couldn't use my iPhone until after lunch. So in the mornings, I had to like completely be like self-reflecting, thinking about life and just in my own head. And then after lunch, I would pop in the headphones and it was like audiobooks, podcasts, music. But I, I found that like it really led to really incredible conversations at like lunchtime because you had this morning reflection time. And I know a lot of people on the trail that did a similar schedule with their media as me. It was just really, really neat. And when I did hike with the trail family for the first 1,000 miles, I set out from one town with just one girl, and we hiked for about five to six days together, just us. And it was so incredible to be on a smaller level, just one other person. I just feel like the conversations were a lot more meaningful, and I had a lot more personal growth in those times, which is kind of why I started hiking with such a big family. But then ultimately, I transitioned to just hiking with one person at the end. You wrote in one of your last blog posts that you were kind of questioning, like, do I really want this to be over? But I couldn't really tell from the post whether you did or didn't. You were definitely on both sides of the argument. So do you think you really wanted it to be over then or not? I think I wanted the actual action to be over. 
but I don't want the actual time and lessons to be over. So I wanted it to be over where I was waking up maybe cold or wet, where I was having to walk just all day and having to do everything myself, make my food, even so far as like digging a cat hole. You have to do everything. Water. Oh my gosh. I can't believe how many liters of water I've like filtered. It's just like exhausting day in and day out. So I like, I wanted that to be over, but I didn't want this opportunity and experience and the vistas and the friends to be over. It's, it's really hard transitioning from some of the things that was half a year of my life. I can't believe that was half a year. And then when you take in planning, like it's a year of your life, that's a big deal. You know, like think about a year of college or a year of high school or a year of work, like how much goes on and happens and the people you make and the relationships and friendships and bonds. Like I didn't want that to be over. And it's hard because, you know, everyone that comes and through hikes, like for the most part, they're pretty outdoor people. And kind of, like I said, they're on to another adventure. And so it's everyone's, you know, some of my friends are in Portland, some of them are in Seattle, some of them are in Vancouver. Some have already flown back to overseas to France and Germany and Great Britain and New Zealand. And it's just, I don't know, it's hard. It feels like summer camp almost. (laughs) Mm. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah, and the the context that you built those friendships will never, it'll never be there again. Yeah, and it's just, it's so different talking to them face-to-face every single day, every minute, even when you're like in your tents at night and you're like, hey, you know, and now you're just like texting and Facebook and it's just so not personal. You know, it's like, I almost don't want to text because it's just, it's so impersonal. It's not like how our friendship is and it's not what our friendship is based on, but you know, it's just like the only option. (laughs) And you you also wrote in that entry that you you talked about time and, and how much fits into five months and where five months on the trail is such a transformative experience. Would you say that five months on the trail is... But we're an equation, it's like not equal to five months at home. I would say yes, yes. That was a great way to put it because I've actually never, yeah, it, it, I feel like I have grown like three to four years in like maturity and in like how I know myself and in what I want. Yes. But 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 it's hard because also like the things that I missed mean so much to me. Like the things that I missed that went on in the real um in the real world as I call it. You know, that I feel like I missed like a year of life with some of my friends or some of my family. So, you know, there's like two sides to it. It's almost like a double edged sword. So like I feel like I got a lot of growth in the five months, but then I also think about, you know, I missed a wedding and I missed a birth of a friend's daughter and, and so there's a a lot that happens on both sides. It sounds very true. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. I struggle with like that thought of being really selfish because I absolutely loved my time. And and honestly, I would enjoy through hiking again and I would enjoy the time and the experience, but I just don't like at times I felt very, very selfish on the trail. I'm doing this and you know, I'm away from all of you guys. I don't know. I, I felt selfish. Do you think you you made yourself feel that way? I think I totally did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was totally internalized. 
You know, one of my friends even sent me a text that was like, you're not missing anything. Don't worry. But I was like, I am missing things. Like, you know, the birth of a human being. I was really bummed to have missed like my friend having her first child. Her daughter's already going to be like almost six months old. And it's just like so much happens in that baby stage. But but it also doesn't, you know, like they're just a baby. They're never going to remember that I wasn't there. So it's hard. I That's where like, you know, I have a lot of things going on in my mind. And I think also it was hard for me to, like I said, to take time for myself before the trail and and that's just something that like there's always going to be that fight in my life of taking time for myself and taking time for what's important I think being on the PCT I realized how critical it is and so I just I'm gonna have to work through that sense of missing out on things or even like FOMO the fear of missed opportunity I'm just gonna have to learn to like grow with that and deal with that and know that when I'm missing things I'm also growing and that doesn't mean that I'm selfish That just means that I'm a human being and that I have needs. Definitely. And the the fear of missed opportunities or fear of missing out or, you know, that FOMO, a lot of that is worry as well. And, And you mentioned having a lot of worry in your old life, at least in your work life. So just just acknowledging it can can make a really big difference going forward. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I guess worry is just... I have issues with worries. <laughs> I think about it a lot. I mean, it's kind of like insurance. You're like, if I think about it and it goes wrong, you know, I already thought about it. But you're really like, so much energy and time is wasted on worry. It's insane. And I just have to know that I'm doing what's right for me. And, and that's that. One last question. What do you think you'll miss about hiking the PCT? I think one of the biggest things I'll miss is definitely the people. the people that's probably like the largest thing but then the second thing is just these places that you can't get to unless you hike in and these vistas and these views that are just ingrained in my mind so many times on the trail do you turn a corner and it's just like absolutely gorgeous alpine lake snow-capped mountains Or so many times are you like walking through bad weather and then the sun clears or, you know, when the sunrise happens in the morning and all of a sudden you can see what you night hiked into and where you camped and you hadn't seen it until the sun rose. Just like those moments of this is absolutely 100% the most beautiful thing I've seen today. And you have that moment like every single day. How many times I sat on the trail like this is my favorite day or like this is the best view I've seen. I said that so many times and so I'm just gonna miss those moments and those views and the fact that you can't drive like I can't go see half of those views because you know you have to hike into it four or five days and and the people just the people that were there I think I met some of the best people I've ever met and I've ever had the opportunity to interact with in my entire life on, on the trail why do you think that is Honestly, I think it's because you have very few distractions and you have so much time to have really deep and meaningful relationships. You don't have your cell phone. You don't have Instagram. You don't have Facebook. You don't have all these things. You know, when we go out to eat dinner, you know, our texting that we have like messages popping up, even when you're at dinner and you know, the table next to you, you're distracted all of a sudden by them, or you're looking at people crossing the street. You are just absolutely alone with other people and you just have these conversations and I think you just feel safe and you feel comfortable 
that you tell people things on the trail that you never shared in your entire life. I also think that like a lot of people on the trail are very well-traveled. I met so many people who have been to Everest Base Camp and so many people who have backpacked in five, six countries. And they're all like young, you know, most younger than me. And so I think it's just like people are well-traveled and they're experienced and they're humbled and they have respect for others and for other human beings and for cultures and for differences. The trail community, man, no one could have prepared me for how amazing the people are that I would meet on the trail. And even just like the trail angels, complete strangers just opening up their homes to you. It really like makes me this sounds so cheesy but it makes me like so proud to like be an American and to live in the United States all the kindness that random strangers gave us that's so lovely and now I can't wait to be on the other side and to be giving trail magic next year and to like still be embedded in that community and meet people it just it really is an incredible community and and it's really hard to explain but I think it's just A lot of the people are like-minded and well-traveled and they're just open and honest and and real. And and we don't have like modern day to be fake on the trail. You're all at the same level. It's it's definitely an equalizer. Yeah. And like you count on everybody. So, you know, because everyone's going to have a bad day in six months and everyone's going to need something. And and so it's like everybody puts something into the group and puts something into the little bubble that they're traveling in because you know that like when it's a down day like I'm gonna need to take from this group or I'm gonna need to lean on others and it's just like incredible how well that works and is that a lesson that you'll bring with you to daily life as well yeah yeah and just realizing that like like it's the very very small things in a friendship that mean the most and I think that's hard when you live in a materialistic world where there's Amazon and you know there's all these things that you can do and give to people I can't tell you how many times I shed small little you know tears of joy on the trail because someone surprised me with a jar of fresh picked huckleberry these like really really small things that can bring joy so I think that's something that I really want to bring back to like life is giving others gifts but gifts that are from the heart and they're not materialistic and they're not necessarily something that I spent a large amount of money on but something that I was really thoughtful about giving so many amazing lessons to be found in this interview. Some more that I noted in the second half were taking some electronic free time earlier in the day to help reflect. And maybe that's not necessarily early in the day, but any part of the day. Also valuing face-to-face relationships and being present when you are face-to-face with people. And an extension of that is that it's really never too late to make and meet new friends. And on top of that, the trail is a really great place to strengthen new relationships. And finally, and this is really appropriate now as we're well into the holiday season, the best presents aren't necessarily material ones. The best presents are the ones that show that you appreciate your friends and family. So it's been three months since I talked with Kim over the phone, but she sent me an email update that she wanted me to share with you all. She says, I think about the trail every day, but more importantly, I still smile about the trail every day, and I feel the warmth of all the memories that flash back to me daily. 
I'm an interim principal at a charter school in Los Angeles, California until March for a principal who's out on maternity leave. And then I plan to be moving to Santa Barbara, California, where I will be seeking employment and continuing to work with Kristen Bohr of Barefoot Theory. My biggest goal right now is learning to balance time for myself, time for those I love, and time for those things that fill my heart with true joy, like helping connecting others to getting outdoors. Sounds good to us. Big thanks to Kim for doing the interview with me. And a big thank you to you all in advance for taking the survey via she-explorers.com about the podcast. I'd really love to learn more about what you think. Music in this episode is by Mind's Eye, Dr. Rinkel, and Rocco W. Until next time, bye.